This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, alaikum. Welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. Um, this episode will just be me writing solo, but there's lots of things that I kind of want to get stuck into with you guys. Um, before we get stuck into the good stuff for this episode, I just wanted to talk about um, my partner and I's experience at the Kiamo Festival. So Kiamo Festival um, happens here in Pōneke and it's a festival that highlights Māori, Indigenous and Pacifica voices and they tell stories all through different platforms. Um, They had poetry nights and plays and panels and all sorts and uh, my partner and I were invited to speak um, on a panel called Homia Huia all about um, solidarity and the other panellists were epic. Like we had... um, such a diverse group of people on that panel and to have Tangata Whenua and Tangata Titiriti on the panel to talk about what solidarity looks like was so awesome and yes since then I've just kind of my brain has been buzzing away um, because the other panelists gave me so much food for thought about the topic of solidarity what it means and what it looks like and yeah I just kind of wanted to feedback uh, to you guys as well because there were some gems that we said and um, I don't know we all kind of related to that word solidarity in different ways but a common theme that kind of came up um, and I really liked how someone had this metaphor for it and he was like you know solidarity is you know, when your auntie comes over to your house and you know exactly what to get her. She doesn't need to ask. You know how she likes her tea. Um, And I thought that was really, really cool. And then he continued that metaphor by saying, you know, like knowing when you should be at the front, when you should be at the back, knowing that when someone comes to your house, that means you're hosting. And um, when you're going to someone else's house, you know, T- taking a step back and not leading in that sense I'm not too sure if that's exactly how he, that's how he worded the last little part but anyways just knowing your place and knowing what people want even before they have to ask like you know exactly how to support them and I yeah I really like that metaphor but we all kind of touched upon solidarity centering on relationships and uh nurturing those relationships and you know just because you don't know all of the information about a particular issue it doesn't mean that you can you still can't be an ally and you still can't show solidarity Um, and one of the other panelists was saying that um, she didn't know everything that was that's happening in Palestine at the moment but recognized that it was there was a great deal of wrong being done um, and to stand up with a fellow group that is also being oppressed and marginalised was really, really important. And so 
you know, we, we all kind of spoke about this importance of relationships and nurturing them and figuring out how or what solidarity will look like to you in particular like not everyone is going to be protesting out on the streets and not everyone's going to be um a social media activist and that's completely fine um but knowing what it looks like to you and why it's important to you that was another thing that came through quite strongly as well um on the panel and um another thing that came through on the panel as well was knowing who you are to begin with and i think when we talk about being an ally we don't often talk about just the journey that begins with knowing ourselves first I think we always highlight the fact that you know make sure you know more and do more and that's important you know you get linked up with the resources that you need to know get the information that you need um figure out how to help um but before you get to the knowledge and actually actioning it and and helping I think people need to think about themselves first and where they fuck a puppet back to and where their land is and what their values and morals and priorities are and what's important to them and who who do you belong to where do you belong to um because once you have that information or that knowledge of yourself it's so grounding it really is um and just reflecting back on like my own journey well something that I'm still kind of figuring out because you never get these things 100% right Um, and there's always more that you could know Um, but thinking about my journey and showing solidarity and being an ally and you know finding my voice knowing who I am has been so important to that and I think if I hadn't taken the time out to really highlight the importance of knowing who I am and where I come from I just wouldn't have this source of strength and I wouldn't have this perspective of life and it's so important to know who you are and who you belong to and where you come from so yeah that the panel was so awesome I'm still very much buzzing from it and there were so many other events that were that was part of um Kiyomo festival and I'm hoping to get more involved with it next year and attending more events but yeah just reflecting on on the panel as well I was just thinking it's so cool to have spaces like Kiyomo for people to learn and to connect and to grow you don't have opportunities like that very often where there are events purposely created to kind of disrupt your daily rhythm of life and spaces like that are just kind of like an opportunity to pause and and think about things and interact with things a way that's different from how you would on a day-to-day basis and yeah just so very grateful for Kiyomo Festival and if you ever get the opportunity to attend events where someone's speaking or you someone's performing or it's just different to what you talk about oh sorry I think the sound blew up for a bit um but it's different to what you talk about or interact with on a day-to-day basis go for it having that opportunity to talk to 
well, yeah, to talk to people who you normally wouldn't meet and to talk about things that you normally don't talk about intensely on a day-to-day basis is just so special, such a great learning opportunity. So, yeah, just so grateful for um, Kiamo Festival and very grateful for the other panellists. Um, learned a lot. I really did. Like, you can always learn more. So, yeah, my heart was very full from that opportunity. And I thought to start off this episode, I just have to address the They Are Us movie. The news of that came out in the past week and a half, two weeks. Oh gosh, I feel like my sense of time has just completely gone out of the window since I've started my uni break but um you know the news broke recently of a proposed movie called they are us which um will highlight jacinda ardern's response to the christchurch terrorist attack and um i think when that news broke i it took me quite a wee while to kind of process that to be honest and I think I was just shocked (laughs) that um, something like that was even proposed to begin with. Like, you know, you hear something like that and you're like, that is obviously so silly and so stupid. Like, how how does it even get to developed to that phase? But anyways, it did did take me um, a wee while to kind of process it. And I think the reason why it took me such a long time to process it is, you know, when you make a movie like that, it makes it sound like it happened in the past. Um, And even though the attacks happened in 2019 and here we are in 2021, it's still very much a living reality. Like, I think when the attacks first happened, there was just this huge wave of shock and grief. And I think a lot of people were surprised that something like that could happen in New Zealand. Um, And then we kind of had this whole conversation about, you know, it's not actually that surprising because we are a very um, racist country. Um, It exists and it's unfortunately supported in New Zealand. And... And then there were conversations of, well, we must change and, you know, we need to make sure something like this doesn't happen again. And then life happened, I think. People just kind of went back to their day-to-day, which is the reality of things. But just because things go back to to the day-to-day, it doesn't mean we should allow things to be how they were before. Um... So I think it's it, it's easy to think that, you know, it's happened in the past and we can kind of move on from that. Um, or we're better now because we're now a united country and something like that will never, ever happen again. So there's this sense of, you know, it's it's done now, it's in the past. And as someone who... As a Muslim, it's still very much a living reality. Still very much um, on our ma- on our minds, sorry, and in our hearts. And 
you know the systems and the structures that were there beforehand that allowed this attack to happen still exist now like nothing has majorly changed whoa (laughs) sorry just hopefully you didn't hear the wind in the background um just wellington really living up to its name but anyways um you know those evils that we were so we so strongly said we will never allow this to take over our country is still still exists and it's something that people um have to deal with and just to name a few things so just recently a couple weeks ago there was a racially motivated attack against um two teenager siblings in Christchurch they are just going on their daily run and um the teenage boy had to be hospitalized for concussions and um there was a opportunity for members of the slum Islamic um, community to talk to the government um, about this, the re- the report that the Royal Commission of Inquiry put out a- around the Christchurch terrorist attack, and Sister Alia, who is the national coordinator of the Islamic Women's Council, um, was saying in her address to those who were there that. You know, she's been threatened six times, six times since the um, terrorist attack. And she has had to do the mahi to protect herself by identifying, you know, A, B and C when it really should have been the police coming up to her and saying, hey, we have discovered A, B and C um, with this information we're going to do xyz but it was her saying hey i found a b and c what is going to happen you know what's what's the xyz things that need to happen to ensure this doesn't happen again but six times since 2019 she has been threatened um very seriously and it's not just islamophobia um, there is racism that's very um, open and apparent and I think the more violent side of it has been on the rise as well. Um, there was uh, attacks against Tangata, Tangata Whenua and there was a video where someone threatened to slaughter Māori people and that was allowed to be up on the internet for quite some time and was only removed by the power of the people when people were reporting the video and condemning it um but there was no move on like the official side um to have that video taken down in the first place and it does it does make you think you know who are the laws protecting what are they allowing what are they not allowing um, and it's not just our like policies and our systems. I think there's still very much a culture of racism that's um, about to... I mean, only last week or the last episode where I was talking about that video of um, that woman who greeted the crowd in Te Reo Māori in Tauranga and was booed. You know, things like that can still happens in 2021. And 
so when you hear of stories like this and you you know we experience it as well it's still very much a living reality we are still tackling the same demon but nothing really seems to be happening so to have this movie come out and treat it as if you know it's a you know Jacinda triumphantly you know stabbed the beast and the beast being racism and Islamophobia and it doesn't exist anymore and wow Jacinda is amazing um for facilitating all of this when in reality like it's still very much a living thing people are still being harassed and hurt and threatened and um all these sorts of things if we don't keep on talking about it then you know who knows what could happen in the future um but it's still very much a living reality and the other issue that I think a lot of people have also touched upon but I will also bring it up here too it's just that it, it is the f- the focus is on the wrong narrative here um this is putting the voice of and you know word has come out afterwards that Jacinda personally is not involved in this and she wasn't consulted and she then put out um, a statement saying that you know it felt too raw and, and too soon so I'm not when I mentioned Jacinda I'm not personally coming for her but um, you know to center Jacinda Ardern who is a white woman when the attack was directly on Muslims that feels like a slap in the face because it's centering a white voice and whitewashing the true victims here and that is not the story that should be told and a story when you th- really think about it what what the story of Jacinda anyway she fantastic leader she led us wonderfully through the pandemic and um, her response was so compassionate when the terrorist attacks happen but at the same time when something like that horrific happens her response was like to be to be very real like the bare minimum like what else would you expect from a leader when 51 lives are lost in your country um so when you put it into the context of that like it was a and what you know a response that should should happen if something else happened I would be you know very disappointed um so for someone to do the bare minimum and their voice be centered at the cost of silencing the victims that doesn't make sense I think this story there are so many other stories that uh, should be told instead you know you have a whole community who have decided to choose love instead of hate despite being directly attacked in the house of god bearing like bear this is you would never expect anything like that to happen in the house of God like you're in the mosque is such a sacred place it feels like you're 
you're you're protected in the house of God like you just would never expect anything like that to happen so that terrorist attack was such a violation but for such a gross violation violation sorry to occur and the Muslim community to not buy into the hate and choose love and forgiveness and all the things that we are taught as Muslims to practice that in a time where it's really hard to you know that's a one of the stories that could be told um there are so many other stories that center the the victims that center the voices that aren't often heard and also the other issue with focusing on the wrong narrative is that it's completely getting rid of the opportunity to talk about the wider issues at hand and it's conversations that are kind of slipping away and we're not having that much anymore but it is a great opportunity to talk about how the Muslim community was demonized um, and silenced and marginalized and because that happened um, it allowed racism and extreme thoughts as well not even just general racism but those extreme thoughts the lack of tolerance allowed those extreme thoughts to keep growing like they were enabled because of our structures and our systems and our society that led to the terrorist attack like imagine if this film came out and it wouldn't just be consumed by the New Zealand population. It would be seen worldwide. I think when the terrorist attack happened, the whole, it wasn't just New Zealand that was um, mourning, but the whole world. And imagine if this movie that was centered on the right stories that should be told that this opportunity to talk about the wider issues at hand of terrorism and extremism and Islamophobia and racism and um, our general tolerance levels to Islamophobia and racism, if those wider issues were being discussed at a not even nationwide level but a global scale, that would be amazing that would be growth I mean it would be uncomfortable conversations but to even have that conversation in the first place that is how change begins and that's where it comes from and I think films kind of have well just any kind of um, form of storytelling it has the ability to connect with people in a way that yeah, to connect with people in a way that information can't. And I think a film like this, if it could move people's hearts more than information or st stats could, and to have an opportunity to talk about those wider issues with a wider or open heart, I think that would be an amazing opportunity for potential change. But that opportunity is completely being cut at the moment because it is the wrong narrative that is being highlighted here um so yes th those are all the thoughts that were kind of buzzing through in my head when um the 
the movie was first announced and since then I think a lot of people on social media mainstream media in person have condemned this movie and there was a petition going around that was started by the the youth faction of like the national islamic council and i think over a period of a couple of days it um, garnered like seventy-two thousand signatures um and jacinda ardern has come out and um distanced herself from the movie and then one of the producers of the movie um has backed out of it i can't remember the name of who who the person is but yeah they have backed out of the movie and now the producers of the movie are saying they are um, closely working with the Muslim Association of Canterbury um, to talk about the concerns and the timing of the film Um, because when the movie initially came out the producers did say they did talk um, to members of the community and I think everyone was like well you know the president or spokesperson for the Muslim Association of Canterbury said well we weren't we don't know anyone who was Um, but I think more information has come out since then and those initial those consultations they were talking about happened um, a long long time ago and um, but I don't think it's been like revisited since then and they clearly didn't talk to a wide variety of people because um, I think at the time when they did consult people it, everything was still so fresh and so raw they only spoke to people who were um, open to talk about it at that particular time so not a very it like it was a particular like in terms of percentage of people that were consulted not that much so they just kind of took what information they did have and and ran with it and came up with the proposal for this film but now they actually are working closely with the muslim association in christchurch and um hopefully that working relationship translates into a film that is centered on the right narrative um but yeah and another thing that i kind of want to talk about as well Um, in relation to the They Are Us movie is oh my goodness look at the things that can happen when people band together like I have heard so much um, like concerns or comments about you know even if I sign this petition what will it do and what is the point of talking about on social media or just what is the point about talking about things Um, nothing really changes like we are just people versus this big system that seems larger than life and way bigger than us but because of the public pressure um, you know people distance themselves from this project and people and the producers are now working with um, the Muslim community in Christchurch things do happen and people do have power when we speak up um, and use our voices and you know going back to the theme of the Kiamo um, panel like solidarity is so important and powerful when it's exercised because you have a whole group of people who are so strong when they are together and it's a shame that we don't band together more often because 
things do happen when people band together and speaking of people banding together that kind of takes me to the next thing that I wanted to um wanted to to, wow wow, English today I wanted to unpack in this episode which is the dawn raid apology so the New Zealand government will um apologize for the dawn raids that happened and so just in case you're like oh dawn raids what is that so back in the um 70s yes 70s and early 80s around that time frame in New Zealand police um in the early hours of the morning but sometimes early or like the late hours at night either way unexpected hours that you'd expect to have police coming knocking on your door and they were knocking on the doors of houses of suspected overstayers and the the big issue here is that it was Māori and Pacifica um, families or houses that were being targeted because the government was very active in um, perpetuating the stereotype that um, Pacifica people were overstaying um, and you know implying that that they were stealing jobs and homes and you know at that time there was uh, a recession or if it wasn't a recession there was um it was a bad time economically for New Zealand and the blame was put on the Pacifica community and so police were raiding people's houses at unexpected times to use the element of surprise to catch these overstayers but if you look back at the stats and the percentages um the biggest group of overstayers were actually um British people like people from the UK which makes no sense because the because of the racist stereotypes that were uh, present at that time and not even at that time still present now to be honest when we if we um are really honest about it but because of those racist stereotypes it was only um brown people's homes that were targeted and just so damaging so damaging and nothing has ever been acknowledged by the government before and now the announcement came out that the dawn raids um the government will apologize for the dawn raids and that came about because of public pressure and again power to the people standing up banding together using their voices officially calling for apology and there now will be an apology and um i just wanted to take this opportunity to kind of talk about apologies in the first place because i think since that announcement has come out i've just been having so many interesting conversations about apologies and do they actually mean anything and you know what does this apology actually mean and look like and I think everyone's entitled to their own opinion and there has been a diverse range of opinions about the apology um and I don't want to speak to the um, Dawn Raid apology specifically but I just want to talk about apologies in general and I think they are an amazing first step honestly an amazing first step and I think it means 
a lot more or it's a significant apology when there's action to be followed up like an apology by itself great but where is that taking us nowhere because nothing is actually changing for an apology to mean something I think it needs to be followed up with um, action for change because otherwise you're not breaking the cycle oh sorry you're not breaking the cycle nothing is actually changing and so whatever situation that is being apologized for is probably going to happen again in some way shape or form and the cycle will repeat itself where or maybe you won't I feel like a lot of things happen and apologies um, never appear um, but apologies do need to be followed up with action otherwise nothing like no no one is going anywhere but they are a very good first step and I think apologies in the context of like our systems and our structures pol- apologies are great because they and they are an opportunity for acknowledgement like I'm just thinking back to when stuff had their big apology um, last year I think it was around um, November yeah it was towards the end of the year where they had a huge apology that was um, accompanied with a report highlighting their racist biased um, reporting of Maori people that I was like, oh, okay, that is that is amazing. That is a great example of how apologies are an acknowledgement. And again, they open up an opportunity for change. Um, and I think when a big structure apologizes, it's a really big deal. Like, it is a huge first step because that acknowledgement is, you know... means that there is knowledge of there has been a wrong a wrong has occurred and that is not okay and something needs to change and when you're from I don't know when marginalized communities go through go through injustices and are discriminated against um it most definitely can feel like you know your pain and struggles and existence is invalidated it's invisible um and that's really heartbreaking because I think if we if we want change to happen it's not the onus isn't on marginalized people speaking up and saying hey like listen to us look at us we are important we are here we exist like that's why I got so frustrated during um the Black Lives Matter um big like the big push for the Black Lives Matter movement last year because there were so many people having conversations trying to convince their family and their friends that actual Black Lives Matter and that's so dehumanizing like why why do we think it's okay to like why do we have to put so much energy to convincing people or making people realize that human lives 
or a particular kind of human life matters or someone's existence is um, validated, their struggles are validated. Like it is very, very dehumanizing and change isn't on the onus of marginalized communities to speak up and because sometimes it just feels like you're speaking into a void you know when you put so much vulnerability and strength and time and passion and energy into saying hey like I'm here I exist my community exists um, to only have that kind of disappear into a void um, that's very dehumanizing so no the onus isn't on those of marginalized communities to be like hey like what's happening here is wrong what we need is for everyone to be involved so for those who do have the power and do have the privilege to acknowledge that you know what's happening is wrong and to understand that when you acknowledge when something's wrong you're also saying hey like I see you, I see you, I see the communities, the existence, the struggles, like I see you and I think we need to hear and I think apologies give that opportunity to say hey like I see you and I hear you and I want to do better, let's do better together and we need everyone to be involved in that conversation um, with marginalized voices, I think, at the front leading um, because there has been a lack of platform and support for such a long time with marginalized voices leading and everyone involved in the conversation. Um, and I think apologies, especially from big structures, provide that opportunity um, for for that hey I hear you to have that response back because you know it is dehumanizing to do all this mahi and to have it just disappear into the void so yes I think apologies are a great first step and just not talking about it from the perspective of apologies from um, big structures but just apologies in general from in your personal relationships it is that opportunity for acknowledgement um, and an opportunity to grow from there and to take the next step um, so I am very curious as to what's going to happen um, after this apology because um, I think the dawn raids is an a, just like the Christchurch terrorist attack isn't a thing of the past for the Muslim communities, the dawn raids is not a thing of the past for um, Pacific communities. So I do wonder um, what the government, how the government will follow up with with the apology. But apology, great first step. Um, and another thought that I had while talking about the They Are Us movie and apologies in general is just another yeah thought that came up for me was the importance of words um the importance of words and calling things for exactly what they are um 
because I was thinking about how sometimes, well, like when people were talking about the They Are Us movie, the language that was being used I thought was very interesting. Um, there were stories, like the way the media was talking about it and even just the conversations that I was having with people. People still talk about the Christchurch attacks as that, as a just as a attack and I'm very adamant to call it a terrorist attack because it is what it is um, and you know usually when we use the word terrorist attack there is a certain kind of person or community that's um, involved and that's very unfair because it just perpetuates this stereotype that terrorism can only be a certain way when what happened in Christchurch was an act of terrorism and um, I was scrolling through social media and I found this other point isn't it funny I feel like has have our phones evolved to the point where it's like they can pick up on our thoughts because I was thinking about this and I was scrolling through um, my Instagram just like on the explore section and um a post came up about how um, this person doesn't like to use the word slaves anymore. Um, instead of using the word slave, use the word um, enslaved peoples. Oh gosh, I feel like my memory is really failing me as to what the alternative was. But anyways, they don't use the word um, slaves anymore because that word is so damaging because it makes it seem like slaves is someone's identity and really perpetuates that victimization when actually it's not someone's identity it was their circumstance and when you kind of shift that focus of oh this is about circumstances then you can think about oh well you know the the all the problems that we oh sorry see in the black community and associate with black people it's not because it's inherent to black people's nature it's because the circumstances that black people have um are in have led to these damages like institutionalized racism is very very damaging and not just damaging it's murderous it's killing black people and when you think about the history and you think about how when we talk about that period of time and we use the word slaves it definitely takes away the onus of the racist system to the individual or to the people and that's so not fair and it just yeah made me realize that you know words are important and how we talk about things is really important because when there's lots of harmful stereotypes hanging around you're talking the language you use could potentially be implying that it's about someone's identity or inherent to who they are rather than their circumstances so yeah and that's why I'm so adamant to call it um 
a terrorist attack, not just uh, an an attack when talking about um, March the 15th. And I'm sure there are probably a lot of other words out there as well where we probably use and I use on a day-to-day basis without really thinking about you know where it's come from and what it means and how damaging is it is it highlighting incorrect beliefs around one's identity or is it highlighting the circum circumstances sorry surrounding that that person or that um, community because when we think about things from circumstances it's restoring that dignity back to that community or to that individual and putting the onus on the circumstances and it's like well right how can we change those circumstances how can we have a conversation about those circumstances rather than perpetuating those negative stereotypes and chalking it up to being oh well that's just that personal that's just how that community is because you definitely see that attitude and it's so damaging it is so damaging not just um not just you know for education purposes but like in a health sense like my one of my friends um who is a woman of color you know she has told me many times that in her training she's never been taught to look for health or indicators of poor health for people of color and usually it's just chalked up to you know people of color just tend to eat bad or have all of these lifestyle factors that are the blame or that's just who that's just normal for that population and again putting circumstances to identity when that's grossly unfair because you know that leads to damaging stereotypes it leads to poor health care it leads to um, assumptions it leads to the distance between those who are marginalized and those who are part of the majority to get even bigger Um, the disparity widens and you know one way that we can reframe it is changing the way we use our words um words are definitely a weapon and they are so so powerful and um before we kind of wrap up this episode there's one more thing that I do want to talk about and I think all of this has kind of stemmed from the conversations that I've been having from the panel from the they are us movie the the thought about words and their importance is you know the conversation always kind of winds up with well how can I how can I do better how can I be better and going back to what I was saying earlier on in this episode is well you have to think about what it means to you as an individual you have to begin with yourself not only do you have to know yourself and you know what to people who are committed to knowing themselves and learning more and unlearning a whole bunch of stuff um and getting rid of those barriers so they can really get to know themselves uninhibited and to, you know, figure out where they belong to and who they belong to and all that. Like, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of vulnerability. Um, 
it's yeah it's a lot but it's necessary and it's definitely worth it um but not only do you have to know yourself i think you need to reflect on why you even feel pulled um towards a certain co-pup i think i always get asked the question well how can i be a better ally to muslims or how can or when the black lives matter movement really took off or how can i be a better ally for the bipoc community um and my my answer to that or the first thing that you can do is think about well why why do you personally feel pulled into this co-papa to begin with what does it mean to you um and it provides that opportunity to kind of identify why you're interested in something to begin with i think when we talk about allyship we also need to talk about saviorship because that happens quite often you know where people are kind of pulled into a co-papa because of you know guilt and because of that guilt um become very loud activists and think they know what's best for the community that they're trying to help without consulting that actual community and then using their power and privilege to be loud but not actually consulting with who they're trying to help and and often making big calls with very limited view on the issue at hand um that's something that i see a lot um or people yeah all that guilt also kind of leads to the fear of making mistakes as well that's something that i've observed quite a lot like definitely oh man we need to do better but i'm just so scared i know we need to do better i feel so bad but i'm so scared i hear that that combination quite often and first of all i think we just need to normalize making mistakes like that just definitely happens no matter who you are not even just talking about being an ally for whatever you want to be an ally for or whoever you want to be an ally for um mistakes just happen in life and it doesn't you know the fact that you've made a mistake isn't shouldn't be shocking or horrible because we all do it and we all have them it's how you respond and how you pick yourself up after that um that's really really important um so you know we i think we just as a society we need to be like hey okay it's okay to make mistakes but you know once you ask yourself that question well why do i feel pulled into this co-papa it provides the opportunity to eliminate the things that usually happen because of guilt that saviorship and the scared of making mistakes and there isn't room for either of those things when you think about the work that actually needs to be done like we should be focusing on how do we empower those voices that aren't usually heard to create the change that needs to happen um and when you you think about that's what it's really about there is no room for saviorship and room for people being scared to make mistakes because 
you know that in itself actually is a privilege you know to experience racism or homophobia homophobia to actually experience that or to experience oppression and when you think about the fact that there's people who don't experience will never experience it but they're scared of making mistakes or they're they feel so guilty or sometimes it's not even guilt but they just feel so um pulled into the co-papa to help but actually are not helping um it's quite insulting to the work that needs to be done and when you know that is the importance of the work that really needs to be done then before anyone rushes into anything you really need to make it fit into your life and you need to identify for yourself or why is it that you feel pulled into this co-papa and if it is if guilt does come up I'm not demonizing guilt but I think guilt needs to be handled with care otherwise it can lead to all these other things that we often see in the space if it is guilt you know where is that guilt coming from what what are you going to do with that guilt is it going to propel you to be a better ally um but before you even think about well what can i do why do you even want to do it in the first place i think it's really really important for people to reflect on and um i'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here um i think i'm i'm i know that our queer community needs all of our voices and you know it kind of relates to what I was saying before about not 100% knowing or understanding everything that's going on but just knowing that whatever is happening is not okay um it kind of relates to that but I think for me I'm still trying to kind of work through that guilt that I have when it comes to being an ally for our queer community and yeah pushing through that guilt so that I'm a productive ally that I'm a helpful ally I'm not coming in scared of making mistakes that paralyzes me to the point of inaction and coming in assuming and thinking I know what I need to do and what will be helpful so I think for me personally I'm still kind of working through that guilt and and trying to verbalize why do I feel pulled into being an ally for our queer community so so for me that's kind of the conversation that I that I'm having and it's an ongoing conversation but you know for each and every single one of us I think it's really important to reflect on why before we move on to the what um thank you so much for tuning into my musings uh really appreciate having y'all sit take the time out um and listen to headscarves and good yarns and catch you the next time thank you for tuning in into another episode of headscarves and good yarns to keep spinning the yarns let us know your thoughts you can find us on facebook and instagram at headscarves and good yarns or email us at headscarves and good yarn at gmail.com This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.